Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Today we're starting a new series, um, and as we, as we enter into this Thanksgiving city, uh, season, I felt compelled to share a message on gratitude, and I started looking through some of my some of my past messages just to kind of, I don't want to ever preach something over again and accidentally go like, oh. And I realized I had never done a series on gratitude. I've spoken a single message on Thanksgiving, but never an actual complete series on gratitude. And so then I repented of my sins to before God, and I'm bringing you guys a new series on gratitude, probably four weeks that leads, right, leads us right up into uh, Thanksgiving. And the title of this series is, I Appreciate You. I Appreciate You. We have our, our maintenance director, Jonathan Meacham. How many of you know Jonathan? He was out greeting this morning out there. In the, yeah, great guy. And if you've ever worked with Jonathan or if you've been around Jonathan for any length of time, you probably have heard this phrase where all of a sudden he makes a statement. He says, man, Pastor Tom, I appreciate you. He says it all the time. It's just kind of one of his catchphrases, kind of a commonly used phrase that he has in his life. He says, man, I appreciate you. And I was thinking about how that made me feel. You know, many of us have these commonly used phrases that we have. And, and we have, you know, we, we say some of them are funny, some of them are dumb, whatever. And we, we make these statements. But I was thinking about the statement that he made. You know, that's kind of a life-changing statement. It changes the environment that you're in. Hey, I appreciate you. What would happen if all of us would all of a sudden, those commonly used phrases that we have, what would happen if we all of a sudden rephrased certain things and started putting things in that had meaning, that had emphasis, that had power? I appreciate you. It's a genuine statement that immediately informs you of gratitude. Most of us have those funny statements, but we don't actually use them in a powerful way. What kind of impact could that have? Not just on my life if I started using, just be more grateful. But what kind of impact would it have on those that I come in contact with? Our subject today is gratitude. In the Bible, if you look through the Bible, God's word, you will find just Many, many, many scriptures on Thanksgiving, giving thanks, on gratitude, gratefulness. One of the most famous ones is written by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where he says, Give thanks, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In this scripture, Paul challenges us to live a life of gratitude. No matter, and catch this, if you read that scripture, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the circumstances that you face, we are called to live a life of gratitude. Because gratitude affects every area of our life. Now catch this, including our attitude. Gratitude is a leading agent for better health, better relationships, better opportunities, Gratitude will affect us spiritually, emotionally, physically. Gratitude keeps us from becoming self-centered. Amen. Go on. Helps us to be more spiritually aware. Increases hope and joy in our life. Gratitude. 
In fact, there are scientific studies that substantiate the benefits of gratitude. A person who just lives a life of gratitude. Those studies probably cost millions of dollars. And all they really needed to do is actually read the word of God. And they'd found that out for free. But most, catch this thought. Most people don't unintentionally start living a life of gratitude. It doesn't just happen accidentally. Gratitude is a choice. There's a fascinating story about, in the Bible, about a man named Job. Sounds like the the Hillbilly show about a man named Jeb, whatever it is. About a man named Job. I don't know why that popped in my head. Pray for your pastor, amen. An entire book of the Old Testament is dedicated to that story. In fact, it's 42 chapters. It's not a short book. 42 chapters long is dedicated to one man named Job. I, I think it might be the longest continuous uh, uh, story about one person in the Bible besides Jesus, which the Bible's about Jesus. But it, it's probably the longest narrative of the Bible about one person is about the life of Job. It's a story of how Job remained faithful to God even though he went through a time of horrendous suffering. In one day, catch this, one day he lost all of his possessions and he lost all of his children. In one day, servant after servant after servant came and started sharing with him, hey, Job, Job, guess what? All of a sudden all your cattle have been killed. Guess what, Job, all the sheep have been taken. Job, guess what, the building, the entire building collapsed and all your children we're killed. Most of us here today can never even fathom or imagine that type of devastation. We haven't experienced that type of devastation in our life. Yet the Bible states that when Job heard about the tragedies, listen, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked When I leave, the Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Wow. Wow. In the middle of extreme grief, Job continued to praise the Lord. He continued to be grateful to his God. And it's a reminder that gratefulness is a choice. It's a matter of obedience. And not always is it easy to do. But we are called to be grateful. We often think of gratitude as a product that is derived from the good circumstances that happen in our life. When good things happen, I'm going to be grateful. When I get blessings in my life, I'm going to respond in gratefulness. But that's not true. In fact, if you're a parent here today of a young child or if you have young children. I know several families came in with young children today. I want you to do an experiment for me this week. I want you this week, every time your child asks for anything, you give it to them. No matter what. You don't question it for the whole week. You just give your child anything they ask for. And then at the end of that week, I want you to assess if your children are more grateful. Probably not. In fact, it will probably take the rest of the year to undo the the situations that you have created in their life of being spoiled and entitled, right? And I share that funny story because guess what? 
It's not something we just fall into. It's a learned behavior that we need to develop in our lives to be grateful. Gratitude is not a product of good circumstances. Gratitude is a behavior that we choose. It's a character trait that is learned and developed over time. Some practical ways if you want to develop gratitude or thanksgiving into your life to start developing that behavior in your life. Man, just start putting reminders. Reminders are phenomenal. We talked about sticky notes a couple weeks ago. Man, put a sticky note in your car. Put a sticky note on your mirror. Or like my wife does, she uses a lipstick and writes it all over the mirror. And, and put, a, put a sticky note in your calendar or maybe on your to-do list, on your task list. And you just need two words on, on that note. All you need is give thanks. My wife has on our fireplace if you go into our family room you'll see a little wood block that has a holder on it and it says give thanks and on top of that is a little uh, note that I wrote nine years ago when I was dealing with cancer and I just prayed Lord heal me of cancer and I kept that note we nailed it to the cross on a good Friday service and I believed in faith that man God you're going to heal me and God healed me of cancer and and so we have that on my fireplace because it's a reminder for me to always give thanks God is good. But God is good even if I wouldn't have been healed of cancer, by the way. I give thanks. Paul says give thanks in all circumstances. You see, giving thanks is choosing to be grateful for the good and not choosing to dwell on the bad. But it's choosing to, we all have good in our life. And we're going to talk about that more. Today I want to share with you specifically how gratitude this is, I have one point today. This is the point. How gratitude is a guide for your attitude. I shared this story a few years ago, but I think it applies to my message today. So I want to share it with you again. Listen to this daughter's email to her mom, and I'll read it to you today. Dear mom, sorry I haven't written sooner, but our dormitory had a fire and I had to jump from the second floor, and it ended up breaking my left leg and left arm. Luckily, a young man from a nearby gas station saw the fire and called the fire department. They were there within minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days, and the nice man named Paul from the gas station, he came and visited me every day in the hospital. Because our dorm rooms were completely destroyed, Paul was so kind, and he invited me to move in with him. He has been so nice to me. Although I must confess that I am pregnant, but no worries, Paul and I are, make, are making plans on getting married as soon as he tells his wife about he, how he wants a divorce. I hope things are fine at home with you and dad, and I'm doing fine, and, and we'll be more diligent in writing you sooner. Emerson, you could use this letter if you need it later on. Love you, Susie. P.S. None, none of the above is true. But I did get a C in sociology, and I did flunk chemistry. But I wanted to give you something to be thankful for. (laughs) It's a dumb, it's a funny story. But did you catch the truth that's tucked into the middle of that story? Did you see how the daughter guided her mother's attitude through gratitude? Do you see that? Yeah, she might have flunked chemistry, but I'm going to give her an A-plus in psychology. I mean, this gal, she killed it. Yeah, she did really, really good. 
You see, gratitude does have a direct effect on our attitude. And if we can guide our attitude, we can do it by practicing gratitude. As a follower of Jesus, gratefulness should be at the center of our hearts. We have discovered God's love. We have received God's forgiveness. And we've been given a hope for the future. I mean, how can we not be grateful? No matter what circumstances that you, that you face, you have the love of Christ in your life and you have the hope of Christ for heaven for all of eternity. We are grateful people as Christians. Gratitude is an attribute that opens up our life to be used by God in greater ways. If you want to be used by God, change your attitude with gratitude. If you want to see God open up opportunities in your life, start practicing gratitude. Watch what will happen in your life. In fact, it was ungratefulness, pride, that caused the fall of Lucifer from heaven. It was ungratefulness, pride, that caused Adam and Eve to fall. God had given Adam and Eve a massive garden with all the wonderful shrubs and, 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 and plants and trees, that, all the animals, everything you can imagine. He outdid himself in the Garden of Eden, and, he, and yet they were not satisfied with what God had provided. And all they could think about was more. We think of the story of Adam and Eve, and we think, that will never happen to me. I would never be that way. And yet every single day, I see it happening in our lives. Why isn't God blessing me more? I see people complaining, yet God has blessed them with a home and with a car and with, a, with love and, and with all these wonderful things, and yet they live a life of ungratefulness. In fact, they've created an environment of ungratefulness in their lives. And I just felt compelled today I, when I was preparing this message, I was praying, and, and sometimes I feel like your pastor needs to just kind of bring out almost like the old prophets, kind of a warning and I, I just felt like I needed to caution all of us to be aware of that in our lives. If you're living in the land of ungratefulness, you're entering into dangerous territory. You're entering into the enemy camp and you need to be aware of that. Because that's, that's where the enemy resides, is in the land of ungratefulness. If you're not careful, pride will begin to rule your life and you'll never find contentment. You'll never find satisfaction. You'll live a life of wanting. You'll miss out on all the blessings that God has already surrounded you with. The blessings are already there. You just can't see it because you're not, grat you're not grateful and you're living in this land that you're wanting more and pride starts to sit in your heart and you can't even see the blessings that God has poured out upon you already. Adam and Eve were surrounded by the blessings of God. And yet because of pride, they became unsatisfied and wanted more. They became disobedient towards God's command. There's something that just hit me on that. If you're ever struggling with disobedience, it probably started because you're ungrateful. If, if, if you don't really appreciate, I appreciate you, Christ. I appreciate you, Jesus. I appreciate you, God. If you never show appreciation, you could easily slip right into this whole sin idea of being ungrateful. And all of a sudden, the next step to ungratefulness is starting to be disobedient. Adam and Eve, they were surrounded by the blessings of God, but yet pride entered their life. And they just couldn't find, they couldn't see it. The theme song of, their theme song was the Rolling Stones song. Where it says, I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try. I know it's a horrible song. I try and I try, but I just can't. I was thinking about Brett and the band open up with us for that song, but I thought that was a little over the top, so we didn't do it. 
But what caused Adam and Eve's disobedience? Lack of gratitude. They allowed pride to lead them towards disobedience. Catch this. Adam and Eve lived the rest of their lives after God put them outside of the Garden of Eden. He set an angel but there where they could no longer enter it. They lived the rest of their lives wanting for what they once had in the garden. For the rest of their lives, they labored and found little satisfaction. We see this happen throughout the Old Testament. God would bless the Israelites, but the Israelites would become dissatisfied and complacent towards God. And they would start complaining and they'd start worshiping others' gods. And God would eventually respond. And he all of a sudden he'd take his favor and his blessing upon, off the Israelites for one purpose. And that was to bring them back into relationship with him because he loved them. This cycle of disobedience would always start from a heart of ingratitude. They didn't appreciate what God was doing And they were ungrateful for what God was doing. And that ungratefulness started to dominate their lives. Would you bless your child if all they did was complain to you? If all they did was complain about everything that you provided? Probably not. I know some parents do. And they have children that are ungrateful and entitled and filled with problems and difficulties. Why? Because they didn't... In fact, they'll actually stop appreciating you at all. They'll stop loving you. You see, if you don't have someone that is willing to bring discipline into your life like our Heavenly Father or like a good parent, guess what? That doesn't show love. It really doesn't. So the question today is, do you love God only when he blesses you or do you love God because he's God? By the way, the enemy is clever. He will use comparison to create dissatisfaction in your life. And I'm seeing it in today's society. The enemy will use circumstances around you to build this negative narrative. I see it, this negative narrative that starts to happen on Twitter. and It starts to happen on Instagram, all these type of things. And you start living in this environment. And I want to encourage you, stop engaging in those things that are building negative narratives into your life. Be cautious what you're introducing into your life. Be cautious about the amount of social media that you welcome into your life. And I'm not saying social media in the the grand scheme of things is bad. I'm just saying if you're not careful, the devil can use that thing and he'll capture you. You need to be careful. And especially with children. Your three-year-old does not need an iPhone, okay? Just saying. There have been multiple studies Confirming the potential harm of social media, especially in young people. The Mayo Clinic did a study between 12 and 15-year-olds and who spent more than three hours a day on social media and discovered that they had a greater, duh, higher risk of mental issues later on in life or mental health issues. Even Facebook has admitted using too much social media can leave you discouraged and depressed. Because I believe what happens is we create this false narrative in our lives and we also we can't see the truth of God's word. We can't see the the blessings that God has already created in our lives and around our lives. We also know know that the algorithms in these things uh, basically create an addictive behavior in us. Dangerous. I'm not saying it's social media, don't leave here, burn your phones. And Pastor Tom said social media is horrible, it's evil. If you need to, burn your phone. Toss it away. Don't give it away. If you need to, if it's out of control, hey, But be aware, it can create a false narrative in your life. Ungratefulness is something that leads us away from God's truth. In Romans chapter 1, Paul 
the apostle writes about God's anger against sin. If you haven't read Romans chapter 1, I really encourage you to, maybe even this week, today, read Romans chapter 1, because he just basically outlays God's hate of sin and just different things in that whole chapter. But listen to what Paul writes, and I want to focus in the middle of that chapter in verse 21, this powerful verse that I believe is applicable to us today. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him Thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds, catch this, their minds became dark and confused. You want to talk about a scripture that is applicable to our society today? This scripture. People who think up foolish ideas of what God must be like, how applicable is that to us today? It's a form of progressive Christianity. Somehow through our wisdom, through our enlightenment, we know who God is like we create who God is in our life. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in that verse. They wouldn't even give God thanks. They became ungrateful. I believe it aligns with Proverbs chapter 6 of the seven things that God hates. And the very first thing that God lists is haughty eyes or a prideful look. And I believe that whole idea is really having an ungrateful spirit. In Romans 1, it states that people knew God but wouldn't worship God or give him thanks. Their minds became, the result of that, not giving him thanks, their minds became dark and confused. It's why it's so important that we as followers of Christ give what? Give thanks. Can you say that with me today? Give thanks. Say it again. Give thanks. Protects us. Giving thanks keeps us in a right perspective and helps guide our attitude. It opens the door for God to use us in greater ways than ever before. We must lead our lives with gratitude. That's what we must do. Psalms 105 states, verse 1, it states, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. We're to share about the greatness of God. Let the whole world know what he has done. We're to go out and praise the Lord and say, man, you wouldn't believe what God has done in my life. He has set me free from this. He has helped me in this area of my life. He's helped me to overcome sin. He has saved my soul, my life. We're to go out and proclaim it, to give gratitude to who God is. I close with a story today that is found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. And it's an account of Jesus healing the ten lepers. And maybe you've heard or maybe you've read of this story before. But throughout the Gospels, Jesus healed those who were sick or those who were diseased. We see, man, amazing miracles from God. From healing the sick to, to feeding the 5,000 to we, walking on water. I mean, just amazing miracles we see throughout the Gospels. In this account, ten lepers approached Jesus from a distance. They're probably most likely in a leper colony. Um, back in the New Testament days, for those just to protect the rest of the community, for those who had diseases, especially leprosy, they would actually create a colony outside of the community where they would have to reside. They could never, once again, ever walk into the towns. They could never walk in. They had to have to stay separated with only people that who were also lepers. So these 10 lepers probably came from a leper uh, colony and they, they saw Jesus from the distance. They cried out to Jesus and said, Master, have mercy on us. 
Now, Luke doesn't say that Jesus approached them or that he even touched them, but all, he said, all that Luke states is that Jesus looked at them. And then he told them, go show yourselves to the priests. And, and the protocol for lepers in those days was that if they were healed or if all of a sudden their leprosy would disappear or all of a sudden something changed in their, in their body, they would have to go to the priest and the priest would examine them. And if they would not find any disease or, or anything that was going wrong on their bodies, guess what? They would, they, would, they would give them a certificate that would allow them to go back into the community. So these 10 lepers, it doesn't say that Jesus healed them right on the spot. The ten lepers left and they went to the priest to go be examined. And we don't know when the healing took place. It happened on the way or what they got. But when they got to the priest, they were healed. There was no more leprosy. Remember, all ten lepers were miraculously healed. And I want to read Luke chapter 17, verses 15 through 19 today. Look what happens next. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Out of the ten, only one returned to give thanks. I appreciate you. Thank you for what you have done. It appears that I think probably, we don't know from the story, but I'm kind of guessing that the other nine, they were healed. And they got that certificate that they were cleansed. They probably got so excited because they've been, you know, outside of the community that they probably just forgot all about Jesus. They ran into their family. They ran to their friends. They wanted to go be part of community again. So they, they went to their friends and their family and, and forgot about Jesus and to show Jesus appreciation. Yet this one Samaritan made it a priority to show Jesus appreciation. Jesus specifically points out the lack of gratitude from the other nine lepers. And then Jesus says to the single leper, the one, there's only one that returned. He says these words. He says, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, the statement is interesting because the man had already been physically healed. Was Jesus reconfirming why the man was physically healed or was there something more? And I think there's something more. In that Greek word translated heal, it can also be translated saved or made whole. And it, depending on the script, the Bible that you read, what translation it is, you can see all three of those words, saved, made whole, or healed. I sense there's something deeper taking place within this man who returned to give thanks. I believe he found more than just physical healing. I, I think he found complete wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. His gratitude actually displays his wholeness. Did you catch that? His gratitude, his gratefulness actually displays his wholeness. In our lives, if we don't have gratitude, maybe we're still a little bit broken. We need to, God, fill me with your spirit. Because if we're truly whole, 
just like this one leper, he never forgot to return to give thanks to Jesus. He did the most important thing that you could do in that moment. Not to go see his family, not to go see his friends, but return to the Savior. Thank you. His actions declared his appreciation. Gratitude is a guide for our life that leads us to what's most important. I'm going to say that again because I think we didn't catch that because I think it's really important. Gratitude is a guide to our life. And if you follow gratitude, it will lead you to the most important things. Brett today, you know what's so important to him today? Besides Jesus, I'm going to declare that over him right now. Vincent, Dad, he had this on his phone. Did you see Vincent? He showed me this video of Vincent who's, what, six weeks old or five weeks old? Five weeks old. Look, he's smiling. He's grateful. See, when we have this great gratefulness, it leads us to what's most important in our life. Is God the most important thing in your life? Are you grateful for what God is doing in and through your life? Gratitude opens the door for us to experience greater joy and fulfillment than, than ever before. Robert Emmons, uh, the world's leading scientific expert on gratitude. I bet you didn't know there was a world's leading scientific expert on gratitude, but there is. Robert Emmons. He's a professor of psychology at the University of California right here. and he makes the following statement. In fact, he actually did a three-year study on Young Life. Anybody ever heard of Young Life? It's, it's a, a ministry for youth. He did a three-year study on how Young Life really leads youth to have more gratefulness in their lives. And he has this book called Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Make You Happier. He writes in that book, he says, Grateful people experience higher levels of positive emotions, such as joy, enthusiasm, love, happiness, and optimism. And that the practice of gratitude as a discipline protects a person from the destructive impulses. It protects us from the destructive impulses of envy, resentment, greed, and bitterness. And I leave you with my final words today from the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.18 that we read as we began today. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you give us hope and you give us joy and you give us purpose. Lord, today I ask for forgiveness. And Lord, I, I pray today that for those times where I was ungrateful, for those times that I didn't give thanks, for those times I was unaware of what you were doing behind the scenes, for those times, Lord God, that I pushed through things where, where you were trying to hold me back, for those times, Lord God, that all I could see was myself and no one else, those times, Lord God, where really, really, I lived in the land of ungratefulness. God, forgive me for that. I pray over this congregation for every person that's here today, for every person, Lord God, that's watching us online right now. I pray, God, that you would create in each and every one of us a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving. As we enter into this thanksgiving season, God, let that lead the way in our lives. Let gratitude be something, Lord, that we see each and every moment of the day. Help us to be more thankful. Help us to tell one another, I appreciate you. Lord God, help us to remember, Lord God, your greatness and your goodness and your wonder. 
Lord, we appreciate you today. We appreciate you for our salvation, for our forgiveness of sins, for your love that you give to us freely, unconditionally. We are grateful people. And we thank you today. Everyone said? Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.